just a lot of these things have been this last three months has been so much fun, hasn't it? I'm trying to figure out what you can do and can't do. And we were talking about this in staff, you know, what can we do? Because people get in the hospital and I can, if I can reach them by phone in the hospital, that's, 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 that's the pastoral visit. That's as close as I can get. And if folks in the nursing home, I, if they don't usually have telephones. So they're, they're, you know, what's going on with them. It's really difficult. I can't go by your home and visit. Um, it's a lot of fun trying to figure these things out, but just knowing God's faithfulness despite all those things and how God has watched over us, it makes all the difference in the world. We've been praying the Lord's Prayer together uh, the last several weeks. I want us to do that again this morning as we'll continue to look at this prayer. You may know it as the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer or the Model Prayer, but I invite you to join me now as we pray this prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me remind you that to pray this prayer with meaning, to take time to stop and think about what we're praying, to understand what we're praying, so that the prayer comes out of the heart, truly this prayer becomes life-changing because of the commitments we're making as we pray this. Because we're not praying this prayer, again, trying to get God to bend his will to ours, but rather instead get us to get connected with God and get in the same path that God's going in the same direction that God's going. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're, we're not only saying, God, we want everybody in all the world to recognize that your name is holy. But what we're saying is, Lord, I want to live my life in such a way that the world would look at me and know that you're holy because I belong to you. I carry your name. And so may I never do anything that would bring disgrace upon your name, but rather may I only live my life in such a way that I would faithfully steward the name that I carry. And I bring you glory and bring you honor. As I pray, your kingdom come. I realize that God's kingdom cannot come until all other kingdoms fall. Not come in all of its fullness like we want it to come. And so it begins with me. And so I pray, Lord, I abdicate the throne of my life where I've been trying to serve as king and live as king and allow the rightful king to take it the place of my, th- take the throne room. You come and sit where you rightfully belong in my life. And now I'm committed myself that I'm going to seek your kingdom first and help others come to know the joy of living under the reign of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as I pray, your will be done. I'm promising to seek and to promote God's agenda above all other agendas, including my own. So let me remind you that when we pray thy kingdom come or your kingdom come and your will be done, we're praying not two petitions, but one petition. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand with one another. Last week, we looked at the first part, thinking about the kingdom of God and God's kingly rule, his right to rule, because after all, this is his creation. We are his creation. We are his people. He has every right to rule. And we're better off when God does rule than when man rules. 
We've talked about, we've seen the results, even in our nation right now, we're seeing the, the turmoil in our nation because of what men do. When men seek to have things their way rather than seek to live under God's righteous rule in, in life, bad things happen as a result of that. But now we want to seek God's reign over our lives and God's will being done in our lives. Notice this, that where God's kingdom is recognized, his kingdom is prioritized. Wherever, whenever, and whomever, God is reigning as king, that's where the kingdom of God has come. We talked about it last week. God's kingdom has not fully come yet, but God's kingdom is here in the lives of those individuals that recognize that he is king. And where his kingdom is desired, his will is required. When God's rightful position as sovereign king is recognized, his agenda will be promoted and his will will be done. So what do we mean when we say your will be done? Well, to pray your will be done is to pray, I surrender to your sovereign will. It is the, again, I'm not here trying to bend your will to mine, Lord God. I am coming to submit my will to you so that your will now will be my will. Because after all, you are the king and I am merely a subject of your kingdom. And here is a subject of your kingdom. I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do the will of the king, the one who has every right to rule as king over my life. And so that we begin to pray as our Lord prayed the night before he was crucified. There in the garden when he prayed, not my will be done, but, but your will be done. Stop and think with me just for a few moments what was going on in the, in the life of our Lord and what was going on and had to be going on in his mind. As he realized there in the garden what was going to take place in, over the next several hours. Because in the next 24 hours, he would be arrested on trumped-up charges, dragged through the streets of Jerusalem, made to endure the mockery of a trial, a trial that was illegal. He would then be subject to all sorts of indignities, suffer the most horrific physical pain and torture. He would be beaten, mocked, forced to carry his cross to the place of crucifixion, and he would die for the sins of mankind. He would become our sins so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And he's very much aware of all of this. And yet he prays, not my will, but thy will be done. He knows this is God's will for his life. And so in effect he's saying, so be it. And he reminds us and he shows us that doing the will of God is not always easy and it does not come without cost. But when you recognize that God is the king and you are his subject, you realize this is how it has to be. And when you begin to understand again what his kingdom means in all of its fullness, it becomes a desire in your heart, this is how I want it to be. I, I want to be submitted to the will of God. I, I want to surrender my will to his will. But that's where we have to stop and talk for a moment because when we start talking about the will of God, the question becomes, what, what do we mean? Just exactly what are we committing to? Because there's so much ignorance and confusion and just outright bad theology when it comes to the will of God. 
I've heard individuals say to me, you know, I would submit to Jesus as Lord of my life. I mean, I'm happy that Jesus is, is Savior, but, but to surrender everything that I am to his Lordship, why, as soon as I do that, he's going he's gonna to call me to, to go to some far off, distant, God forsaken region of the world and make me be a missionary. Isn't that right, William? <laughs> it made me be, and, and I'm going to be miserable because, because why? Because you're still trying to hang on to your will. That's why. What, what you don't understand is this. God's will is not to make you miserable. God created you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what he created you for. And he wants to utilize you to your fullest abilities so that you might find fulfillment and joy in the place of service. You remember the, stu- the parable of the, of the stewards? In the parable of the stewards, at the end of the, st- the story, the, the faithful stewards are told what? Well done, good and faithful servants. Now enter into a time of misery and depression. And no, 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 no. It's enter into the what? Joy of your master. And that's where it really is when you finally discover God's will for your life and you submit yourself fully to his will. But there's so much bad theology out there because we, we're selfish. A baby dies of infant death syndrome. And someone well-meaning but yet completely misguided says to the parents trying to soften the blow, well, it was the will of God. Really? If that were true, then disregard what the doctor says when the doctor says, don't lay your baby on his stomach because there's an association of laying on the stu- baby sleeping on their stomach with infant death syndrome. Babies ought to be laid on their backs. Well, don't worry about that because if God's will, the baby's going to die anyway. I mean, if, if that kind of theology, well, that kind of theology doesn't make any sense, does it? Like I said, there's a lot of confusion and bad theology out there. So how do you reconcile the will of God with cruel suffering, tragic losses, heartbreaking disasters, all the turmoil, chaos, and evil in our world. How do you do that? Well, Leslie Weatherhead was a pastor of London's city temple back in the Second World War, and he was preaching on the very subject of the will of God. And he said that we need to treat God's will from three different perspectives. I think what he said is helpful. One is that we have to see the, the, the intentional will of God. Then we need to see the permissive will of God. And finally, the ultimate will of God. He said, our problem comes is that we use the one phrase, the will of God, and never distinguish just exactly which of these three perspectives we're talking about. So let's utilize that this morning. And I think it's helpful for us as we learn to pray the, this prayer and say, thy will be done. So what am I praying when I say, well, I'm praying that I commit to pursuing your good, loving, and holy intentions. In other words, now we're talking about God's intentional will, that will of God, which our Lord Jesus Christ taught and believed was in every way good and in no way evil and no way bad. While God's will is not always spectacular, God's will is always good. Why would I say that? Well, what do we say about God? God is good and all the time. So what about God's will? 
God's will is good. God's will is loving. God's will is holy. God's will comes from the heart of a loving, caring, compassionate Heavenly Father. God's will is that you and I would again come to fulfillment. God created us and God says, I I want you to discover the wonderful creation that you really are and and live up to the full potential that you have in that. That's a part of God's will. The the phrase, thy will be done, literally means let what is well-pleasing to God be done. It's what every parent wants to hear from their child when you give your child an instruction. That you want to hear your child say, whatever pleases you, mom. Now, and and that's what you hear every day, isn't it? Yeah, every day. (laughs) No, it's, no, why do I have to do that? but, But boy, what a joy it is when all of a sudden your child does say to you, you know what, I, I, I want to I please you. And they mean it, and it comes out of the heart. Surely the Heavenly Father wants that from you and I, that we would begin to respond to him that way. So God's very clear in his word what his will is for us. See, God does not will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2, 4. God wills that we live sanctified, holy lives. 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 3. I mean, first, chapter, three chapter 4, verse 3. God's will that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. God wills that we become like Christ, conformed to the very image of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. God wills that we love one another, that we love our neighbor, that we love even our enemy. That's God's will for our lives. And we could go on and on again because throughout the pages of God's word, he's revealing his will for you and I. He is God. Remember, he is the sovereign. And and the things that he wills, the things that he desires, the agenda, his purposes, however you want to describe those things, are not suggestions. When we see that, What we're saying is, God, your desire, your will, your agenda is my command. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Notice that it focuses on what I do. It's not your will be brought to mind and and thought about and considered and, and and discussed. It's your will be what? Done. What I want to do. May I do what pleases you. People say to me, well, what is God's will for my life? How am I going to discover what God's will is for my life? How do I do that? Well, go to his word. Do what you see very clearly revealed in his word. Live your life in accordance with his word. And I have a feeling that the rest of that's going to begin to just fall in place. And you'll begin to Because here's the deal. If the part of God's will that he's already revealed to you, that you already know, if you already know God's will and you're not doing what you already know it is, how are you thinking you're ever going to discover that other more specific things? You know, should I buy this house? Should I marry this person? Should I buy this car? Should I take this job? How are you going to, if you're not doing the simple things that God's already laid out there for you, the things he made very clear for us. 
So Lord, I'm committing to pursue your good, loving, and holy intentions. When I pray, your will be done. I'm also praying, I trust that you, your purposes, and your ways are good. And yet I live in a world where not everything that happens is good. And I try to make sense of all the wrong that's in this world. And I soon begin to realize that I can't explain everything away Everything that happens, explain it away by simply saying, this is the will of God. Because things happen in our world that are tragedies, natural disasters, and and atrocities that surely break the the heart of God like they do us. You know, we're living it out right now as a nation. You cannot tell me that, that George Floyd died because that was just the will of God. No, there was somebody that we had given responsibility that we, we, we were supposed to be able to trust that he's going to look after our, our welfare. And, and yet that man abused the privilege that was his and showed total disregard for the life of George Floyd. And, and, and we were outraged, and rightfully so. And it breaks our hearts and it breaks God's heart. You cannot say that was the will of God. That's absolutely out of the, out of the picture. That, that was wrong. How does it happen then? I mean, God is sovereign. Here's this thing. Because of the permissive will of God. God is sovereign. There's absolutely no doubts about it. He knows what he desires for our lives. And yet he allows you and I the choice of how we're going to respond to him and respond to his will. So that you and I have a, have a, have, have, can, can make the choice to, to accept him and, and to be obedient to his will or we can choose to reject him and, and to reject his will, but we cannot escape the consequences of either one of those two decisions. It's just not going to happen. One individual, Mr. A, gets mad at Mr. B, and he punches Mr. B in the face. That was not God's will. But there was a consequence that happened as a result of that, that God didn't stop either. There are things in this world, we see it happen in the nature, like certain principles and certain uh, things that, um, uh, processes and principles of the universe that, that have real effect. And God does not abandon those either and just simply override those either. He allows them to take place. If I take a rock, if I'm on the side of a mountain, and I take a rock and throw it off that mountain, it doesn't float. The law of gravity takes control, right? What does it do? It plunges. And if Matt's down at the bottom of the, of the mountain in the path of that rock, Matt's going to get hit. An airplane loaded with individuals, because of the law of, uh, of aerodynamics, can fly. But if that airplane loses power, the law of gravity takes over and that plane plunges to the ground. If the ocean heats and the heat of the ocean mixes with the tropical wave, it develops into a tropical depression. And if the conditions are right, it will continue to strengthen to become a tropical storm. And if the conditions continue to be right, it will continue to strengthen and become a hurricane. All those things happen, and God allows those things to happen. And so also you and I have a choice. We can can obey the will of God or we can seek to deflect the will of God, but we're not going to be to escape the consequences of what happens. 
And it's not just you and I that my decisions, your decisions impact me. And my decisions impact you. And so a bad cop's decision in Minneapolis has impacted not only George Floyd, but also his family and his community and our whole nation now. I thought God was in charge. He is. But God allows us to make decisions. And ever since Adam and Eve, we've been bearing the consequences of bad decisions. Because we've chosen not to obey the will of God. See, there's power of rebellion present in our universe. We see it in human community. We see it inside of human beings. While the power of God is stronger than the power of evil, sin and Satan have not yet totally been subdued. And evil is still a part of the circumstances of our creation. And God allows that because God wants to relate to you and I not as robots, but as people, human beings created in his image. And so he had a choice, and that's what he's chosen to do. But our hope is in the God of redemption and the God of the second chance. And our hope is best expressed by the Apostle Paul when he wrote, And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and who are called according to his purpose. Whereas the New International Version translates it, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who has been called according to his purpose. And so believing this, we pray, Your will being done, because we believe what we are saying is, I know that your kingdom will come and your will will be done. In this unstable and often cruel world, God has a message for us. God does not evade, nor does God ignore or overlook tragedy. Rather, God beats tragedy head on and works to transform it. He, he wants to redeem it, and he wants to redeem our world, and he wants to redeem our lives. And this is God's ultimate will for our lives. The ultimate will and purpose of God will be done. It's his purpose to bring all things, all things in creation under the lordship of Jesus Christ and to unite everything under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul makes that very, very clear. This is God's eternal purpose to unite everything under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And one day, Christ is going to come again, and that ultimate will of God is going to be realized. We get a peek at the last page of human history when we go to the book of Revelation, and we realize that one day, God will eradicate all that's evil. And we'll live in a perfect world in that day. And, and God and good will triumph. And, God told, and, and Jesus taught us to pray toward this end and live our lives out of this perspective. God's ultimate will. His ultimate will is good. His ultimate will is perfect. We don't live there yet. But we need to commit our lives to that. Seeing that will come. When as Dr. King said... When we'll live together and, and base our attitudes toward one another, not on the color of our skin, but rather the conduct of our character. That's, that's the day we long for and we're praying for. And so we also are praying, Lord, 
I'm trusting in your wisdom, your power, and your love. Here's the secret to praying your will be done. We see it in the life of our Lord Jesus. Again, on that night before he was crucified, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me, as he understands all that's going to happen. But then he says, not what I will, but your will be done. He had the opportunity. He could have chosen not to suffer, to deflect God's will, to reject God's will. Instead, he chose to trust his heavenly father, even in the midst of his suffering, and to hope beyond the suffering. And so he made a choice not to deflect God's will, but to surrender to God's will. And because he did, God's ultimate purpose it has been revealed as we begin to realize that God's ultimate purpose is to redeem you and me through Jesus Christ so that one day we will live with him eternally in that perfect place we know is heaven. And we look forward to that because of what Christ did. But listen to what Paul describes as the ultimate outcome of this, this, this ultimate will for Jesus' life. Therefore, God has also exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, he chose not to reject the will of God, though he had that same choice that you and I do. He chose to submit himself to the will of God. But notice even how he chose to submit himself to the will of God because you and I can, can when we talk about these things, we have a choice about how we're going to, um, to, to respond to the will of God as well. Jesus did not respond in bitter resentment, shaking his fist at God, accusing the Father of being a mad, maniacal monster, that he's forcing his will on unwilling participants. That's not how Jesus prayed that prayer. Nor did he pray it with sheer resignation. You know, as if, as if to say, you know, I've got no other choice. There's nothing else I can do. You're bigger than me. But rather he, he prayed and he obeyed God's will in faith and trust. And so must we. Borrowing from Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God we can trust in God's wisdom and God's power and his love because we're trusting in God's omniscience. Being an all-knowing God, God knows what is best. We're trusting in God's omnipotence. We know that God is all-powerful and being all-powerful, God can bring about what is best. And we're trusting in God's character. God is all loving. And because he loves you and me, he wants what's best for us. And you put all those together, and that's what we're trusting in. In God's wisdom, his power, and his love. And so we pray, your will be done in earth, just like it's being done in heaven. But we're also praying, your will be done in my life just like it's being done in heaven. In 1955, Jill Jackson and Cy Miller wrote a song. You're probably familiar with it. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin in me. A realization that if that's going to ever happen, you've got to start someplace. and no better place to start than with me. 
And so it is here with, we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. That we begin to realize that we pray that prayer. That we're praying, let your kingdom come and your will be done. And let it begin in me. See, I'm not praying for Scott to finally let God's kingdom come in his life. And Scott finally to do God's will. Well, I might pray that prayer, but I can't pray that prayer for Scott until I'm willing myself to let God's kingdom come in my life and his will to be done in my life. And so it has to begin right here. And the question is, are you willing to let God come and reign as king over your life? Are you willing to let Jesus Christ reign as Lord over your life? And are you willing to be obedient to their agenda, the will of God, and seeing it done in you? Let's pray together. Father, it's amazing how many times we've prayed this prayer and never really stopped to think about the implications this has for our lives. We think about everybody else and don't realize that the word is intended first and foremost to penetrate the depths of our own hearts, to cut through all the, the mess and garbage and the masks and every other defenses we put up trying to protect our lives so we can hang selfishly to our lives when what you want to do first and foremost is come and reign over each and every one of us individually and each and every one of us to surrender to your will. I pray, Lord, today for that one that has yet to ever in any fashion bow before Christ Jesus and acknowledge him for who he is and accept him as Savior and Lord in their lives. And I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit is working in their hearts today Father, I pray for me that I'll live my life in such a way that others can see the glory of your kingdom and the glory of your name and the glory of your will and all of it being done in my life. Father, I pray each and every one of us in this room can make that same prayer and will as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mankind's problems and your problems all began the day that you decided you wanted to rule your own life. You wanted to be the king. And so therefore you took the reins and decided that's what would happen. And you know what happened after that, don't you? It's called sin. And sin always has the same disastrous results. The wages of sin is always death. Eternally separated from God. But God being rich in love and mercy, decided to act on our behalf. He came in the person of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins because God wants to beat our tragedies, our, even our sinfulness head on and to transform us. So all who have understood who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, surrendering to him, 
God transforms and redeems. And he wants to do that in your life today. If you've never responded to what God has done in Christ Jesus, I pray that you'll do so and do so quickly. Don't put that decision off. I'm going to be in the fellowship hall after the service. You can come by and we'll keep the distance like we're supposed to, but we can talk and set up a time we can talk further. You can give us a call here in the office uh, during, the, during the week, or you can reach us at office at SeminoleFirstBaptist.com or go to the website, find us, make some contact. Don't put this decision off. The quicker you decide to go, go through with this decision, the greater the impact it's going to have on your life. I pray that you'll do that very thing, that you'll let God reign as king over your life and his will be done in your life. And the first thing I know about his will, he wants you to be saved. And so I encourage you, let him save you today.